Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, amen, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We find these next few verses very important and very applicable to us this evening. The Bible says in verse number 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to come to church this evening. We thank you for what we've seen. We thank you for what we've already heard. But dear Lord, I pray tonight that you'd bless the preaching of your word. We recognize, Lord, that the preaching of your word never returns void. It will always accomplish that which you set it forth to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that tonight. Lord, allow me to follow your Holy Spirit, be led by your Holy Spirit, so that I would not go beyond the bounds of Scripture or misapply anything. May it be a, a Bible message that is helpful. and may it be an encouragement to some and a challenge to others. And, Lord, I can't accomplish this on my own. So, Lord, I pray that you would help me in this great endeavor of preaching your word. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This morning's message was fantastic. Uh, it was a warning. And we as Christians ought to take heed to that warning. Every now and again a preacher needs to come to a pulpit and encourage us and uplift us and, tells, and tell us that God is on our side and God will help us through our difficult times. But there are the occasional times when the preacher needs to stand behind the pulpit and notice a trend that is happening in culture and raise the flag and a, 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 a beware sign for those that may be not noticing it themselves. Certainly this morning is one of those messages speaking about the, the, the struggle of our, our society and our culture and how we like to blame shift on all these other things, what might be going wrong in our world, but at the end of the day, the prince and the power of the air is at war in this world. He owns this world. In fact, he's been given jurisdiction of this world. But I'm afraid the devil might own other things that he has not been given jurisdiction to. I'm afraid that he might have property in places that he ought not be. And that is in the mind of Christians. You see, advertisers and companies pay tremendous dollars to advertise and get what they term mind share. Mind share, it's not a term that the average consumer is very aware of. 
But mind share matters to large companies. If I were to say running shoes, what would be the first company to pop into your mind? Probably Nike. You know why Nike says that? Or you know why you think Nike? Because Nike's invested more money than any other company to make sure when you think running shoes, you think Nike. If I were to say Apple, what would you think? Probably not fruit, as odd as that sounds. For generations and generations, that word has been associated with with a, a fruit. And now, because one company has spent billions of dollars advertising, they now own that word in our mind. You know what that is? Mindshare. And I've heard it said that we can take our mind's eye and visualize certain things. Have you ever heard a preacher say, if you could just imagine with your mind's eye or been in conversation and someone say, oh, imagine with your mind's eye. If our mind has an eye and that eye can see, then certainly that eye can gain focus and lose focus. Sometimes the one who we're supposed to be looking to, the author and finish of our faith, Jesus Christ, sometimes our mind's eye loses focus off of Him who actually deserves the jurisdiction of our mind. Tonight I want to speak to you simply a a warning message, quite in the same vein that preachers preach this morning. Uh, This was already planned, and so I just feel like the Lord is maybe trying to help us understand, Christian, that there is a war raging, and that war is definitely for our world, but the devil already owns this world. So you know what he's trying to do? Go behind enemy lines and get your mind. So this evening I preached to you a message entitled, The Mind's Eye. In our scripture passage tonight, we'll only be about 15 to 20 minutes, so if you'll give me that time, I greatly appreciate it. Verse number 5, we'll find the diversities of minds. The diversities of minds. You see, the Bible says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. As my point is entitled, The Diversities of Minds, there's really not that many choices. Really only two. Spiritual minded and carnally minded. And what we would like to do as Christians is we would kind of like to compartmentalize our mind. At least uh, I remember as a teenager thinking, well, my music choices are for entertainment value alone and, and my movie choices are for entertainment value alone. And so what I did is I almost dissected that part of my mind and did not allow God jurisdiction in that part of my mind. But the Bible says that person does not exist. God cannot own part of your mind and the world own another part. There's only two kinds of people and two kinds of minds, that is, spiritually minded and carnally minded. And verse number 7 actually tells us that these minds are after the flesh. In fact, that's what the word carnal means, is flesh. If you go to uh, Mercado Ores up off of Yucca Avenue, which is a fantastic joint, don't mind the big tree growing in the middle of the restaurant. They've got wonderful chips and they've got fantastic tortillas. Um, far better than probably any I've ever eaten. But you can go there and you can... uh, uh, Sometimes the Fort Worth water is a little bad, so that affects sweet tea and Dr. Pepper, which is another sermon illustration one day. But but when you go to uh, uh, Mercado Juarez, don't even look at the menu. They're going to come to the table and they're going to ask you what you want. Here's what you say. 
I want the carne asada. That's all you say. And they'll ask you how you want it cooked. And my preference is medium rare. That meat is so uh, thin. It's tender. It has a fantastic taste. They cook it right there in the back. You can view through a window as they uh, cook your meat there. And what that is, is in Spanish, the term flesh and meat is carne. It comes from the word carnal. It's the same word, flesh, meat, carnal. The Bible here is telling us that a carnal mind is a fleshly mind. In fact, as Bible students, we understand that it is the natural mind that the man receives at birth. You see, this is the Adamic mind. And don't let that term deceive you or frustrate you. What that means is it's the mind that you are born with. Now, I am very familiar with this subject, but have you ever noticed that babies have a long way to go before they become productive citizens of society? They're born and there are several stages of training. You see, one of the major stages is this, and we were talking with Miss Sarah this morning about this after church. Potty training is a very important step in anybody's uh, 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 growth and development as a person. Potty training. For Caitlin, it was easy. We just tempted her with, we bribed her with an Easter egg, and she went in there and sat on the toilet for three hours until something happened, and she got an Easter egg. For Bailey, it was quite the opposite. We had to set up electric fence perimeters. We had to get guard dogs. You're staying in the bathroom. Uh, it was a mess. Several accidents later, and Bailey still hasn't figured it out. Amen? We're not telling JCA teachers that, though. She's going to school this year. And I'm telling you what, it's a, that's a very important step in a person's development. But guess what? They have to learn that. It doesn't, it's natural not to know certain things. You see, we have to teach our children how to be social citizens. I remember in school we got social citizenship grades. And I could do okay in the math and I could do okay in the science. But apparently you're not very social if you talk that much. Well, I think that's opposite. I think I was being social by talking, but the teacher did not feel that way. I would often get bad grades in social citizenship. Now, if we, would, if we could, we'd like to take a tour in the nursery tonight. And I'd teach you how some of those kids need to learn social citizenship. They need to know how to interact with people. Because here's what you'll find in the nursery. If we go in there tonight, there will be one toy. Amidst a billion other toys. And for some reason, this is the toy that matters this evening. There will be three children around this one toy. And they will all say this. This is mine. Let me have it. It's my toy. And you say, but there's millions of other toys. Go grab any toy you want. And they say, but this is my toy. Well, no, it's the church's toy. But you're borrowing it right now. We have to teach those lessons to our children. You see, these are very important. We also have to teach our children just educational things. You see, my dad taught me a lot. He taught me not to urinate on electric fences. <laughs> Amen. That's a very important thing for a parent to teach their child. I can't believe that surprises y'all. Does that really surprise you? Knowing the man that has been behind this desk for 32 years, I don't, I don't know. But my dad's taught me many valuable lessons, and, and these are lessons that we do not know already, and so we have to be taught these things. 
In spiritual terms, you are completely ignorant when you're born, spiritually. The Bible says you're a child of wrath. You are at enmity with God, meaning you are in direct opposition of God's will for you spiritually. You're unsaved, you're unredeemed, you're, you're unregenerate. You are in your Adamic nature, your natural man. And that's the carnal mind. And what happens is regenerated Christians oftentimes fall back into this degenerate condition. We allow our minds to entertain things that we shouldn't entertain. And we allow our minds to go places that we shouldn't go. But there's only two kinds of minds. Which one do you have? A carnal mind or a spiritual mind. See, there are minds that are after the flesh. But secondly, there are minds that are after the spirit. These are the regenerated and the renewed mind. The Bible has much to say about renewing your mind. Putting on the new, taking off the old. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God's will is that every day we would wake up. And Paul put it quite this way, I die daily. I die daily. That we would wake up today and realize the old man and the old nature and the things that we used to enjoy, if we're going to honor God today, we ought to be renewed in our mind. We ought to honor God rather than ourselves. The Bible says much about renewing your mind. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 says this, If so be that ye have heard of Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteous and true holiness. You see, that's what God wants for us, is that we would take off this carnal and fleshly mind and be renewed daily and have a spiritual mind. But if you study our passage, you'll actually understand that there's a third mind used in this passage. Now, there's not a third mind. There's only two options. There's a uh, spiritual mind and a carnal mind. There's a natural mind and a renewed mind. But verse number 5 says this. For they that are after the flesh do... What's the next word there? Mind the things that are of the flesh. But they that are after the uh, Spirit, and this is omitted here, but it's uh, uh, understood, they that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. Now don't mistake this. There are not three types of minds. There are only two, the spiritual mind and the carnal mind. But the mind used here is a verb. And while we understand it to mean certain things in our language, it may not mean exactly what you think it means. You see, if uh, I were to tell you that sometimes I mind my wife because it puts her in a good mood. (laughs) Sometimes my children mind me and that's a good thing. Sometimes my dogs mind me. That's, I lied. They don't ever mind me. But, But we understand that word to mean obedience. But in this case, this word is not exclusive to obedience. In fact, it actually means this. To have understanding or to be wise. Now let me read the verse again and help you understand it in that context with understanding the word's definition. For they that are after the flesh do have understanding 
and are wise in the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit have understanding and are wise in things of the Spirit. Now that kind of changes the way that we understand that passage. That kind of reveals something to us about Scripture. And I don't know if I can help you understand this tonight, but the Bible says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Christians can love the world. It's not good, it's not right, it's not wise, but Christians can love the world. So the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It actually says, set your affections on things above. Ephesians chapter 4 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. You know what Gentiles would have in vanity of mind? That's speaking of the old mind, the unrenewed mind, the carnal mind. And the encouragement is that Christians would not do that. You say, what are you getting at? This is what I'm getting at. As Christians, we understand our mind and we kind of, uh, when I ask the question, what kind of mind do you have? Well, you say, well, I'm at church tonight. I have a spiritual mind. I, I, I serve in ministry. I have a spiritual mind. But that's not exactly the case. What do you know the most about? What are you the most familiar with? Let me ask you a question. Do you know more about fishing for fish than you know about fishing for men? Do you know more about essential oils than you do the fruits of the Spirit? Do you realize and understand more quotes from movies and, 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 and clips from TV shows than you do remember memory verses in Bible Scripture? And I'm not trying to get on to you because remember, the first one I used was about fishing. That one was right at me. Okay? But I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. But my question is this. We get so comfortable and our knowledge base grows in things that maybe aren't inherently bad. They're just not profitable. Amen. Man, I've seen some funny movies and good movies and encouraging movies. That doesn't mean that's necessarily a profitable endeavor. I've been on some great fishing trips and I think I know a little bit about fishing, but that doesn't mean that it's actually profitable. Enjoyable maybe, but not profitable. And essential oils, all I know is when we have a bad odor in our home, I get the citrus and make it smell better. But what we as Christians have done, and, and at our, in Christianity right now, there's just an all-time low of biblical knowledge. People are biblically illiterate. My question is, do you understand the nature of spiritual things more so than you do comparison of other things in your life. And you know, some guys in our church are salesmen. Brother John sells uh, augers uh, for machining equipment. Brother Jay's a contractor. He oftentimes has to sell the product that he's selling and I'll do you a good job. And we have salesmen all through here. But wouldn't it be a shame if the salesmen in our church understood more about the product that they move for a company than they do the Scripture and the Holy Word of God? Amen. Oftentimes, it is the case, though. What do you understand? 
What would somebody look at you and say, no, that person's an expert in that? Is it Scripture? There's only two kinds of minds. There's only a diversity of minds. There's only two kinds, spiritually minded and carnally minded. Which one do you understand more? The diversity of minds. I want you to notice, secondly, the difference of the minds. Verse number 6, the Bible says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, these minds are labeled differently, these minds are achieved differently, and these minds result differently. A carnally minded, a carnally minded Christian will not end at the same place as a spiritually minded Christian. The two types of minds that we find here is number one, death. We spoke at great length last week about the term death and what it means in Scripture. It doesn't always mean, as we think, like uh, uh, the end of life. Death means separation in some cases. A separation from God in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve. But for us, when we sin, we're separated from God in the very same way. In fact, that's what this could mean. To be carnally minded is death, a separation from your Creator. Not only could it mean that, but it could mean just doom. In fact, the Bible actually says that spiritual misery would be kind of the assertion here. There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, or doom and destruction. If you are a carnally minded Christian, I promise you, it will not work out like you think it will. God can take bad situations and make them turn good, and God can take what you think is a good situation and end it for bad. Actually, we do that a lot of times. (laughs) So there's one result, which is death. The second result is life and peace. Now, even to a non-Christian, that sounds awesome. Did you know that people pay psychiatrists and therapists, all sorts of hourly amounts to achieve life and peace. People strive. They read self-help books and, 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 and self-betterment books trying to learn and understand what they can do better or how they can have peace with the relationships in their life so that their life may be happy and they might have peace with everyone around them. People pay money for this like crazy. And yet God says, a spiritually minded Christian will always have life and peace. Can you believe that God offers freely what people are willing to mortgage their lives on? God God says, if you'll be a spiritually minded person, life and peace are a promise, a direct result of it. It's always been the case. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. Behold, I set for you before you uh, this day a blessing and a curse... A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandment of the Lord your God. It's always been the way it was, right? God says, spiritually minded, obedient Christians will find happiness. In Joseph's case, it was prosper and blessing. You know, look at a guy like Job. He was the righteous man in all the earth, and he found himself prospering quite a bit, didn't he? Read Psalm chapter 1. We quoted it uh, the other night, I believe, at the graduation. I won't do it again because I'm afraid I'd mess it up. But Psalm chapter 1, you can go read it for yourself and, and understand that the man that applies himself in God's Word will be a man that's life is prosperous. and He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water. 
And so we understand that God's always worked this way. Oftentimes what happens uh, is, is my family will plan a vacation and we'll think, man, if we can just get to the day where we leave, when we get to the day where we can just kind of put all the responsibilities of ministry and the church aside, we, we've got it all taken care of and we've got it all planned out, but whether it's we're going to leave on Monday and we're going to just go rest and relax and we're going to have a good time, here's what happens every single time we go on vacation. We plan it so full, and the travel days are so long, when we get back from vacation, we are more exhausted than when we left. And really what it is, is it's just a microcosm of the way our plans are. We think, well, if I can just do this, I'll have peace and I'll have life. But oftentimes our plans end in frustration and disappointment. God is the only true source of life and peace. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. You know Dr. Spock doesn't understand God's peace. You know Dr. Phil doesn't understand God's peace. Did you know Dr. Oz does not understand God's peace? But God gives peace that passeth all understanding. He shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we, we see a diversity of minds. We see the differences in minds. And then finally I close... There is a decision of the mind. Verse number 7. The decision is this. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is in direct opposition. God wants right. The carnal mind thinks wrong. God wants uh, uh, good. The carnal mind thinks bad. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. This is a a very hard concept to grasp. But the God that controls the universe, the God that spins the earth on its axis, the God that keeps us all in the right rotation, and the God that causes the the, uh, uh, sea waves to roll, and the God that causes all things to work in our universe, He controls everything. In fact, the Bible says, everything is upheld by the word of His power. He controls everything but your mind. God is in control of everything, but He does not control your mind. You see, God didn't create a bunch of zombies or robots. God wanted true worship. You know the only kind of true worship that really matters? Worship that is voluntary. Worship that is is a, is a person submitting worship that is a person that actually gives honor not because of fear, not because of a, 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 some type of intimidation, but worship that is inspired by love. And that's the worship that God desires. So God's not into mind control. But the carnal mind is at complete enmity with God. And if I were God and I had the powers that he had and I had the control that he had, I'd probably just say, either obey me or get off. My, kind of my way or the highway. But that's not God. The carnal mind's at enmity with God, but the spiritual mind submits to God in obedience. And here's another thing I want you to notice in Scripture. Verse number 7 makes a reference to the law of God. And it says that the law of God, or let me say it this way, the carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God. 
Well, with every heads on a coin, there is a tails. If it says the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, that automatically means that the spiritual mind is. The spiritual mind enjoys the law of God. The spiritual mind loves the law of God. The spiritual mind revels in the law of God. And in modern day neo-evangelical Christianity, here's what you have. Churches, I'll never forget the first time I saw this on a church sign, seeker sensitive. What you have is people running away from commandments and laws and standards. And this ideology of gospel, grace, and goodness. And those are all very good doctrines. But what we've done is we have eroded the foundation of obeying God. God says the spiritual mind loves God's law. The spiritual mind submits to God's law, not out of fear, but out of love and respect and honor. What we do, though, is we're so afraid to even quote the Ten Commandments these days. We're afraid of maybe somebody thinking we're too conservative or too right-wing if we reference the law of God. But the law of God has always been God's law. It's always been God's passion that His children would love His law. See, there was a man one day by the name of Saul, King Saul, you know him. He was given God's word directly to do one thing. Hey, Saul, I want you to go to Amalek. I, I, I want you to go and I want you to destroy King Agag. I want you to destroy everyone. I want you to take all the livestock, livestock, destroy them. I want you to destroy everything. Samuel gives the word to Saul. Saul goes, he destroys, he conquers. The problem is they bring back the best of the sheep. They bring back the best of the livestock. And here's what happens. Samuel comes up to Saul and and you can see Saul's evolution, so to speak, or de-evolution, I guess you could say. You find Saul being in a place where he thinks he's spiritual and he's quite carnal. You see, Saul uh, does this and Samuel comes to Saul and in verse number 13 of 1 Samuel 15... This is Saul's uh, uh, greeting for Samuel after just disobeying God. Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Well, if you read the story, no, you, no he didn't. He didn't obey God. He did what he thought was right. Yeah. This partial commitment we talked about earlier. Oh God, you can have this part of my mind, but not the other part of my mind. He only partially did it. And here's what happens. Samuel responds to him and says, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the rams. What does that story teach us? Well, that story teaches us that God still gives His word. And when his word is given, he still expects obedience to his word. And God would rather have all of the obedience and none of your worship. Because the best worship is extended to him in submission. Well, we, we don't want that part. We just want the good, ushy-gushy feeling worship. But worship is best when we submit and honor to God and do with our, our feet and our legs 
what we should be doing with our heart, which is obeying. This is a problem all throughout Scripture, and Jesus made it quite a big deal in His ministry. John chapter 14, verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Luke chapter 11 says, But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. John 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Say, Brother Andrew, how does this apply to your mind? Well, I'm glad you asked. I appreciate that. It applies to your mind because the best litmus test for whether you are a carnally minded Christian or a spiritually minded Christian is this. How much of God's word will you live out tomorrow? Because the devil knows more scripture than any of us. Knowing God's word and having an education in God's word is great. Living God's word is the most important thing. And the spiritual mind is subject. It submits to the word of God where the carnal mind may take liberties that don't exist. They, they, they want the exception. Have you ever noticed how everybody's the exception to the rule now? Man alive. Well, I deserve to cut in line because I got here a little late because the dog, you know, bit the cat. And everybody's the exception and everybody has a story. But God's word makes no exceptions. The litmus test of your spirituality will be this tomorrow. Whether you obey God's word or whether you don't.